Hello. We're glad that you've joined us. We hope that you're doing well. My name is Ethan, and I work with the Venice Church of Christ. We're disciples making disciples in the west side of Los Angeles. We can read the letter of Jude, beginning in verse 1. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. To those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our Lord God, into sensuality, and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who do not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulge in sexual morality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's heir, and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feasts, as they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever." It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all, and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against them. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loud-mouthed boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire, so others show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. So we can see from this letter that this time we have, at the very beginning, who wrote it. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James. Generally, that means people have accepted that as Jude is the brother of Jesus, as we can see in Matthew 13.55, the half-brother of the Lord. 
Therefore the James under discussed is the same James who is the Lord's brother, the elder in Jerusalem, and the author of the letter of James, as we can see in Acts 15.13 at the beginning of James 1.1. There's no specific date given about when exactly this was written. Uh, Judah lived in the first century. Uh, there's some consistency with Second Peter 2 in Jude, and so there's a plausible relationship there, and therefore may be written somewhere in the 60s. He writes to those who are called, Beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. And therefore he's writing to the Christians of his day and age. And there's lessons that we can gain from it as well. And he explains exactly what he wants to do with this letter in verse 3. He wanted to write about the common salvation, but he had to write to appeal to them to contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And to contend for that faith meant to be on guard against the dangers of the false teachers and their conduct, and thus to encourage Christians to continue to live according to what had been taught through Jesus and the Apostles. So we see the general introduction. Uh, we've seen here the purpose that he says is contending for the faith. And then he gets right into it in verse 4. That there are these people who have crept in, that they have perverted the grace of God and sensuality that deny only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. And they are designated for condemnation to come. And before he continues on talking about these people, he wants to go back and, and affirm uh, the consistency of what God does in these circumstances. He begins with Jesus... It's very interesting, Jesus, sometimes in some versions, the Lord, uh, but even then, normally that refers to Jesus, not the Father in the New Testament, t leading a people out of the land of Egypt, and yet destroyed those who did not believe. So the fact that, okay, even though they were the people of God, and God chose them and delivered them from Egypt, they all died in the wilderness. He then appeals to the angels who did not stay within their position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, are in eternal change and gloomy darkness until the judgment day. Uh, we do not see this explicitly in Scripture, but as we'll see, with Jude's influence, Jude being influenced by First Enoch, very likely he's talking about the story there in Genesis 6, and makes sense because then he then continues with the story in Genesis 19 of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah because of their indulgent sexual morality and their pursuit of unnatural desire, and they have this punishment. And so he's trying to show in these verses here, in verses 5 through 7, that God, this is not new. God has been dealing with people like this who seem like they believe, but they really don't believe. And we see what happens when people pursue uh, their own desires, sexual desires especially, that are unnatural. And those who do not maintain their uh, humility before God, and those who do not actually believe. And so now he turns to these people that, that he's warning the Christians about. And we're given some clues about what type of people they are. They rely on dreams. They defile the flesh. They reject authority. Blaspheme the glorious ones, likely uh, spiritual forces of good. Uh, in con contrast, uh, the archangel Michael uh, and, and Jude tells us a story we do not see explicitly in Deuteronomy 34. Uh, that there is uh, this rebuke when the devil and the archangel are contending for Moses' body, but that Michael himself does not declare uh, a condemnation. He says, says, the Lord rebuke you. Uh, as opposed to having that kind of humility, though, uh, these humans who are the creation of God, who are not the level of angels, uh, like the angel, archangel Michael in terms of their understanding, yet 
presume to have a greater understanding. Uh, they blast and they revile what they do not understand, and they're destroyed what they understand instinctively. They're like unreasoning animals, that whatever they think they know is what they pursue after, and they gobble up in their lusts, uh, and they blast in what they don't think they understand. And he declares a woe upon them, and he speaks of them in light of experiences in the Old Testament. They walk in the way of Cain. Well, what did Cain do? Well, in Genesis chapter 4, he killed his brother because God accepted his brother's sacrifice and not his. They abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's heir. What did Balaam do? Well, Balaam knew that God blessed Israel in numbers, uh, but in order to get money from Balak, told him how he, they, he could seduce the Israelites into idolatry, which would lead to a sentence of condemnation on Israel. They perish in Korah's rebellion, going back a bit in Numbers uh, to an earlier event when Korah said that Moses was being too harsh on the people since God's presence was there, and therefore the people was holy, were holy. And so he's using all of these Old Testament illustrations to try to uh, help make sense of what these people are doing there at that time. They're considered hidden reefs at your love feast. A hidden reef is when you're in a boat, you don't see that there is a reef, that there is a... a that the land is, is coming quickly, you will run aground on that reef, and it will be the end of your boat. They feast without fear. They're shepherds feeding themselves waterless clouds. They look like they're providing something beneficial, but there's nothing there. They're swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, the time of harvest, yet they have nothing there. And causing all, and it continues on and on about this condemnation. And so he's, he's definitely looking at people who are infiltrating the church, who attempt to use the gospel as a means of benefiting themselves and the perpetuation of their own lusts. And that's why a lot of people think he's talking just like in second period, the false teachers are these Gnosticizing teachers. These people who think that they have this higher knowledge, that they're better, uh, that they have this secret knowledge that that other Christians don't have that justifies either extreme asceticism, where they renounce everything, or extreme licentiousness, that no matter what happens to the body, they can still cultivate the soul. Uh, from what Jude says, it would seem to be the latter, that they have uh, abandoned restraint, uh, thinking that they could still truly believe in Jesus and the soul, and what they were doing in the body did not matter as much, and that led them to engaging in sexual morality and drunkenness and things of that sort. But they're, they're causing this difficulty. They're, they're, they're dead weight. They're unproductive because they have perverted the grace of God into sensuality. He then quotes uh, of Enoch, the seventh of Adam, from a text we call First Enoch 1 and verse 9, um, in verses 14 through 16. And... Uh, uh, sorry, to 15. Then he continues in 16 about these type of people. They're grumblers, malcontents, they follow their own sinful desires, they allow mouth boasters, they show favoritism to gain advantage. And the quote from Enoch is talking about how God will execute judgment on the ungodly that have done ungodliness. Uh, Jude's putting it all together here to show that these people's condemnation is not going to be delayed. And at that point, where he has thoroughly denounced these false people, these, these people who are not truly following Jesus, but following their own desires, likely Gnostic or proto-Gnostic or something of the sort. 
He then turns back to the Christians who seek to be faithful, those he's writing to, those who he, whom he wants to contend for the faith. And he tells them to remember the predictions of the apostles, that there are going to be these scoffers that, that Peter spoke about in Second Peter chapter 3. But they, uh, they're going to cause divisions. You need, they're worldly people. They're devoid of the Spirit. That's what those people are going to be. But they, you, you the ones that Jews write to, the, the faithful Christians, are to build themselves up in their most holy faith, pray in the Spirit, keep in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of the Lord Jesus that leads to eternal life. And because of that mercy, they're called upon to have mercy on others. Those who doubt, to save others by snatching them out of the fire, perhaps persecution, to show mercy with fear, uh, hating even the garments stained by flesh, by, by sin. Stained by the flesh. So, uh, we have the, the whole connection here, which is, sure, there are these difficulties going on, there are these people here, but the call of the gospel is for these people to be faithful to encourage one another to maintain the truth of the gospel, to contend for it, to build each other up, uh, awaiting for them the mercy of Jesus, recognizing that the only reason why they're in, in any better condition than these false people is because Jesus has come and brought grace with him. And there's this beautiful doxology that he concludes with a declaration of God's grace and glory. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to our only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Wonderful declaration of who God is, what he has done, and his timelessness. So there's, as we can see, Jude is full of, of references and conversations about these challenges going on in the church. And it's these people who have these views that lead them to committing all kinds of ungodly behavior, yet thinking that they're still somehow justified by God, and that that, in fact, cannot be the case. We have so many references to the Old Testament here. Uh, it's saturated with an understanding uh, based in what has gone on in the Old Testament. And uh, not just the Old Testament that we understand. Uh, he also quotes... Uh, first Enoch. And that's uh, a challenge often um, because, um, well, First Enoch's not in our Bible. And Jude quotes First Enoch 1.9 and Jude 1.14-15 as if it is legitimate prophecy. And such a citation generally would lead to the belief that the whole book is legitimate. So what is this first Enoch we keep talking about? Well, first Enoch is believed to be compiled finally by the end of the first century before Jesus. And it claims to be the prophecies of Enoch, the man who lived in Genesis 5, 18-24, the one who walked with God uh, before the flood. The Ethiopian Orthodox Church has considered uh, Enoch, first Enoch to be inspired and part of the Old Testament. Uh, some other people in various churches do as well because of what Jude cites here. Uh, it is believed that Enoch was given mysteries of the universe and he wrote them down. Which leads to, of course, the question, what are we supposed to do with First Enoch, especially if Jude is quoting it here? Uh, well, First Enoch 1.9 is clearly inspired, because uh, it is the word of prophecy that Jude says Enoch gave, and we have the, the confidence that Jude wrote this book. Does this mean everything's in the book's inspired? Well, the problem is that it's not entirely well-preserved. The Ethiopic is the only complete text. There's some fragments of the Aramaic found at Dead Sea Scrolls, and there's some Greek and Latin fragments and manuscripts. It's been lost to most of Christianity, except for the Ethiopian Church, for a long period of time, for at least a, a, cent, a millennium or more. 
Um, but nevertheless, Peter, Second Peter 1, 20-21, says that no prophecy comes from man, but by the will of God. And Jude explicitly calls Enoch a prophet. Uh, and it's therefore, there's some credential to at least some of the things in First Enoch. And it's a very difficult subject, and there's no easy answer here, but it means that, if nothing else, the first section of Enoch, 1 Enoch 1-32, through should be given consideration because of how Jude, and also Peter in Second Peter 2, will use that text, and in their understanding of what's going on there, between the sons of God and the daughters of men in Genesis chapter 6, 1-4. through and in fact, the understanding that it comes from Enoch is more consistent with the use of sons of God in the rest of the Old Testament, like in Job chapters 1 and 2, and um, makes sense of what, uh, how angels are imprisoned in Second Peter 2 and in Jude 1, uh, information otherwise not given in Scripture, and leading to all kinds of speculation, and gives us a little bit of insight, although opens up as many questions about what's really going on there at the beginning of Genesis 6, uh, with angels coming down and cohabiting with uh, human women. Uh, but that's just one of the many questions that sometimes we have with Scripture, that sometimes we read Scripture, and we, we end up with more questions than answers, and that's okay. Um, but even though Jude's letter is short, there's a lot there. A lot of knowledge and application of Old Testament images and great exhortations to believers. Look, there's going to be those who teach falsely. There's going to be people who pervert this, the grace of God in, sensu- in sensuality. Uh, but we're called upon to stand firm. We're called upon to encourage one another. We're called upon to pray in the Spirit, to wait for the mercy of the Lord, and in the meantime to show mercy to others. So let us contend for that faith and show mercy to all. Again, thank you that you spent this time with us. We hope that you've been encouraged by what we've talked about here in terms of Jude. If you've got more questions about Jude or anything we've discussed about Jude, maybe you'd like to talk about other books in the New Testament or how to become a Christian or any subject at all. Maybe you just need to talk or maybe you have a prayer request. Is there any way that I can be of service? Please let me know. Please contact me through my website, deverbovitae.com. That's www.deverbovitae.com. And if you live in Los Angeles, travel in Los Angeles charities, area, or just interested in more information about the Venice Church of Christ, we encourage you to check us out online. We're at VeniceChurchOfChrist.org. We're also on social media, on Facebook, Google+, Instagram, Meetup, Twitter, YouTube, at Venice Church or Venice Church of Christ. We again thank you. Have a great day.